Welcome to the Stories or Soul Food Podcast, presented by Canon Press and Great Homeschool Conventions. Okay, well, now... Stories are full soul food. <laughs> full food. Their stories are full of food. <laughs> They're full of food. Stories are full of food. Here's the question for you to start with. Stories are all food. Episode fill in the blank. 34. Okay, 34. Here's the question. Yeah. For someone whose family has started so many institutions, <laughs> you're, you seem very pessimistic <laughs> about the, the history of institutions. And I say that pessimistic. As, we, as we head into the drowned vault watching, you know, oh, the only yeah. thing that stands between... <laughs> e transmortal evil in the human world just is like itself. A, is like a country club that has totally forgotten why it exists and completely falls apart and then, yeah yep. and i just think about all the schools and publishing houses and yep. I, so i mean the institutional rot seems like a theme a, a deep theme maybe for adults more than kids but it seems to be something that is on your mind in this series yep this is true so yeah are you pessimistic about institutions there's, I think I think I'm realistic about institutions. So Oh, the higher road. <laughs> yeah. I mean here, let's put it this way. Let's try to be clinical and uh not sentimental or emotional. Okay. So take back everything I said about your family and start with institutions in general. <laughs> yeah. Right. So if we just said, Oh, I have no problem with institutions, institutions are necessary. However, institutions are like trees. They are not the forest. How's that? Okay. I'm I'm with you there. So, yeah, institutions have a life cycle. Institutions grow old and unwieldy and brittle and then they rot or are toppled. When you get an institution that's big enough, you know, that has deep deep roots and it's big and it's mighty and it's thick, it will overwhelmingly rot more than it will go down. It's not just going to fall over. Okay. You know, it's it ta <clears throat> it takes a a fair amount. If you have uh, an institution that is a parachurch, you know, organization that's trying to help people with their marriages, you could fill stadiums for two summers and then it's gone. And okay. Quick, quick. Yeah, you like, think that's rot or? That's more like it fell over. It, it grew really fast. It doesn't have deep roots and it goes over in the first big windstorm. Gotcha. Uh, whenever people build institutions around personalities, that's what happens. Okay. So yeah. whenever something's a personality institution, it's highly vulnerable to uh, the downsides of, of speedy growth. So the quick, downsides of personality then. Yeah. Which means, okay, so somebody's really gifted and, uh, you know, things grow rapidly and people start following them rapidly. And, you know, you could get 200,000 people following you on Instagram. You could get a million people following you on Instagram. How quickly can that go away? That can go away very, very rapidly. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean that it was a waste of time. So, Okay, so because, you think that it can still become something even if the institution itself goes away. The kingdom of God is like a forest. You know, it's, it's like, not like an it's, individual tree. It's not just a tree. Now, there's other times, you know, other metaphors. Obviously, we have tree metaphors in scripture and things like that. You know, grafted in, grafted out, that kind of thing. Uh, so there are ways in which it's a tree. <laughs> yeah, the mustard but, seed. But even there, it's um, 
an institution is like a branch in that metaphor. An institution is a branch on the tree and it's not the tree. You know, it's right. a branch on the tree. And, you know, Paul and others tell us it can be cut out. Yep. It can go away. It can rot and the, and new branches will be grafted in. There's no, the tree itself is not threatened. That's the case with the forest. I happen to be very, very optimistic about eschatology in the future. And I think the Great Commission will be fulfilled. I think that good guys win. You think the forest is covering the earth? The forest is going to cover the earth. Um, yeah. You know, it's like, I think that's what's happening. Individual trees die. And there are, there are often times when it comes down to like one tree and the whole forest looks, looks like it's jeopardized and there's only a tree left you know, a person, uh, think about the, the monasteries in Ireland, you know, that saved. saved civilization. Oh, they're the reasons why we have copies of scripture. You know, a lot of, a lot of those texts. So the scribes, you know, the little guys up in their, their monasteries, you're copying things diligently. And then the Vikings would raid and burn, burn everything down. Oh, uh, the Roman empire collapses. The Holy Roman empire collapses. Nationalism is on the rise. Nation states are fighting with each other. Christendom is no more. Like the concept of Christendom is gone. Yeah. What Constantine built. Yeah. It's gone. And every part of it is rotting out and decaying and fighting with each other. And there, but there are Christians everywhere. There are seeds everywhere. So there's a lot of seeds in the ground. Just but, not a lot of fruit on the surface. Yeah, there's a lot of wildfire. There was a lot of storm and trees. Institutions went down everywhere. You know, just and then you've got a couple guys in Ireland who are making copies of stuff, uh, which will enable the forest to come back. So, trees are necessary. You know, my my grandfather, being hilariously cynical, has said before, like, why build nice buildings just for the liberals to have? <laughs> yeah. Why not build stupid ones that they won't want? <laughs> you know, like, uh, that kind of thing. That, yeah, I think that every attitude time, every is time. comical and farcical. And I think we're supposed to try to, to build big, beautiful, powerful, strong, healthy institutions. But like Augustine around the fall of Rome, we cannot have our faith rattled when an institution goes down. Okay. So one alternative you said is building around personality. Is the other one building around principle or word of yeah. God, I guess. Mm -hmm. So an idea centric, I guess idea is kind of a Western way of looking at it, but, uh, yeah, building, a, building around baptism, building around faith, like building around perhaps the person one, there's yeah. one person you can build the around. person. Yeah. Oh, uh, led by the spirit. And if you build around anything else, you're rotting out. Yep. And there's a life cycle. We're all, we are all mortals and our institutions are mortal. They're a little less mortal than we are. Right. But they're still mortal. Yeah, generations. And wise. we have, and this is actually, incidentally, the entire theme of the Ashtown Burial Series is built around that quest for immortality, that quest to escape rot and decay, and the inevitability of rot and decay. But that also means the inevitability of new life. So, you know, it's like it really does, you know, the tree falls down, it rots out, new things grow, like, and they grow in rich soil. So there's a, we can get, Remind me to circle back to the the whole mortality thing here with uh, Drown Vault, especially. Yeah. Um, but that's institutions. The Order of Brendan is this mighty institution that was faithful and focused for a very, very long time. Right. Um, and, then, and then it became elite. 
over a millennium, right? Yep. And it yeah. became elitist and it became about itself. And it ultimately gave into the temptation that Lewis describes in uh, That Hideous Strength and other places where a king starts to believe that the kingdom exists for the king's sake or exists for the sake of the throne instead of the throne existing for the sake of the kingdom. Gotcha. So what's the problem with elitist? Because you want to be good at right. what you do and the best at what you do. So, but you have to actually be that and not just have received the star on your belly to make you the special snitch. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, right. um, you want to actually be excellent and true excellence is more than a membership in a club. Yeah. Proverbs, be faithful in what you do, then yep. you stand before kings. Yep. But if you're standing before kings, you still got to be able to do the. You still got it. You have to be able to execute. Thing. So if you don't want to be there by means of connections and that's it, you want to actually be excellent. And so with Ashtown, the order of Brendan, it grew like all things that are faithful and diligent and uh, rigorous. It grew wealthy. It waxed fat and it kicked. Great verse. Yep. So it, uh, the order of Brendan, as we see, especially we see it in the dragon's tooth, but we really see it in the drowned vault is it exists for its own sake. It has stopped existing for the sake of the world. It has stopped existing for the, for the sake of the sheep who can't defend themselves. These families and this order is now entirely self-serving, which means it's doomed. And it also means that when, uh, but it's doomed without being destroyed. So in that kind of situation, you have enemies at the gates, enemies arrive, and if you exist for your own sake, then you actually think the most important thing you could do is to run. Hmm. Like, because self-preservation is the ultimate good. Because you think the institution cannot fall. Yeah. And it's, and the, the thing that's most important about the institution is me <laughs> like, ah. and my family and my membership and my line. And we are the, we are the order of Brendan. And if we run, we've preserved it. You know, it's instead of remembering what the actual mission is, what the actual goal is. So. Right. So you said this before, but you said the goal of a family as an institution is not to perpetuate that family. No. And that sometimes people can get focused on that aspect. Family as family being. Yep. Family is this. This is the thing. This is the thing that we have to preserve above, above all else. And so as a result, we're going to run and we're going to hide and we're going to retreat and we're going to hang on to it super, super tight. And then God's going to break our fingers when he takes it. And avoid things that would challenge yep. or, or cause the, the tightness of the family yep. instead and of. So here's, here's something for all you parents out there. Uh, we want for our kids, all of us want long, fruitful lives. We want our kids to be faithful, but we want them to, we, we don't wish on them incredible hardship. Right. We don't wish that they would have all sorts of uh, difficulty and suffering and struggle. Because we are ultimately affectionate and sentimental, we want them to have very soft lives. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that's, that's just what we would like. And that is us wishing for their total rot and destruction. Hmm. Like that's like wishing that our kids would be beanbags. Right. You know, and have nothing for, going for them instead of for them to be genuinely dangerous, like genuinely St. George, oh, like actually yeah. out patrolling the world for dragons um we don't wish that for our children you know like this is we don't think and it take it takes a certain kind of father and it's usually one that we're a little devious of for, to look at his son 
a, you know, a cute little fat faced toddler and say, man, I hope this kid grows up to be a special operator. And he sees some of the most gnarly conflict you could ever see on the globe. And that he knows what it's like to lose brothers in the field. You know, that that's not what we say for our kids. Right. <laughs> like it's, yeah. Um, no, we, and we're not, I don't think we're designed to really think that way. Um, but that is the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, spiritually, especially, you know, we, we don't want to be so in love with the seals and we don't want to sacrifice our children to the seals, but we should, we should want our kids to be spent for their King. Like, right. That's what they're for. It's tempting too, because you have to really make sure you disconnect your brain from real life to say, I know, I don't want my kid to have any trouble because right. everyone knows yeah. everybody has trouble. You know, yeah. man's born to trouble, sparks fly. And, and we need it. And so it's good for us is what you're trouble, saying. Change. Trouble is required, but not just that. Trouble and death, mortality. Like destruction is necessary for us. We're all fallen. The nicest thing God did after the fall was make us mortal. Be yeah, for sure. Like that's because now there's a door on the other end where this struggle stops. Yeah. Like that's otherwise imagine, and this is the Ashtown theme that shows up over and over and over again. Imagine being the same broken, flawed character you are right now forever. <laughs> 10,000 years from now, you'll have the same temptations, except for they will have beaten you and you will have given into them even more and they will dominate you. They will just dominate your imagination and dominate your, your life. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just, not happy. No, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, death is both a curse and a blessing in, for a fallen people where, because on the other end there's resurrection and there is the, the, the change, there's an escape from the fall. There's an escape from corruption. So to be here forever, you know, to try to preserve institutions forever, just as institutions means to preserve their bureaucracies and their internal political conflicts and their little, you know, status hierarchies and everything else right. forever. The emotional sabotage. I've been reading some Edwin Friedman. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in it, in it, well, ba basically mortality is this release. It's this door where we can cross. We know there's a finish line. We can receive a well done, good and faithful servant and cross a finish line and the race ends. Like it actually, there is an end. Oh, uh, in death by living, I talk about, um, you know, imagine somebody, if you're doing a workout and somebody is like, and four more, and four more, and four more, and four more. And it's <laughs> like, <the> uh, <laughs> at, what, at what point are you just going to stop? Do you just tap out? Like I can do four more, but I can't do four more forever over and over and over again. So institutions are necessary. Institutions are good. And we should try to make them healthy with deep roots that will impact the kingdom positively, that will impact the world positively. And we should also try to have them uh, spawn others and you know, create a lot of healthy individual people who go out and start other ones and other ones and other ones and other ones so the original one can fall. Right, that's the question. A, when still when do you pull the plug on an institution? Well, you don't, God does. Okay. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I think that's just the way it is. So. But you want to live in such a way that you don't think, man, I have to live forever or forever or else my family is going to be a ruin. Right. Like, no, you need to live in such a way that you to your kids seem like you are, you know, you're just constant. You're faithful. You're just there. You cannot be 
shaken and yet you're going to die and you're going to go to the grave and you know that and you want to you want to live your life in such a way that there are children and grandchildren who are more faithful than you are stronger than you are healthier than you are when you go into the ground uh, and then they have kids and grandkids who are saying like man how could we ever do without them it's just not even possible and Right. And then the same thing happens over and over and over again. So I think we have to view institutions the same way. Yeah. And that's with Empire of Bones. I think you do that well, where we have a despair because we're, yeah. we're thinking, oh no, Ashtown, I just right. got to know this place. Right. You know, and uh, without giving, giving too, much, too away. much away, you you do have that moment of like, of oh no. Yep. And you want us to walk through the oh no yep. to um, something better on the other side. And Drown, drown Vault and... Uh, especially was written around the same time as, as uh, death by living. And so a lot of the themes come through, okay. they come, they come through in the entire trilogy. 2012. But, so nine years. Yeah. And they come through the entire Ashdown series. Those themes are there because mm. that was the goal for the series to explore that thematically, to have the kids meeting an immortal kid and just seeing what a curse that is. Like not envying that, like at all yeah he's one of the favorite characters of many yeah. people nolan, nolan is many people's favorite Ni yeah Nicales or however yeah. you say his greek name Nicales is Nicales. how i say it that doesn't mean it's correct but it's correct in ashdown um yeah so nolan the thief this little this immortal boy who struggles with rage and his you know his temptations are just with him and have been with him and are deep rooted like really 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 deep because they've had plenty of time to grow oh i like him a lot as well and it's one of the it's one of those things where where did he come from as a character what do you mean did what was what did you need that made you come to <laughs> nikhaley's or I nolan i guess that's my question he seems like such a unique sort of thing he's a he's in a twist on a mentor character right yeah he's so very different he's, so he's ancient uh, and and having somebody who knows the history of this place who's not Dumbledore, <laughs> he knows okay. somebody who knows the history of this place, but also kind of knows the history of this place from eyes that look like yours a little bit. This guy's my age-ish, but then turns out to not be. And his memory predates all the adult administration of Ashtown. Like he knows all of it. And he has old feuds that are thousands of years old. Mm -hmm. um, but he shows up specifically because I wanted the two parts of the Gilgamesh story. Uh, you know the the thief that stole the the fruit, uh, and then and Gilgamesh the two. Right. So he show, he's that rival. He's that snake cursed by Gilgamesh because he stole the fruit after Gilgamesh brought it up from the Persian Gulf. Yeah, um, deep underwater from the Garden of Eden. Uh, so the Drowned Vault is a further exploration of people who have voluntarily laid themselves down. Uh, most specifically the the patriarch of the smiths so we get to meet the original outlaw smith the original smith who's been a problem and that's another one of those themes is because the smiths through their entire history have not been institution friendly like they are they do not exist for the sake of the institution you know they exist for the sake of the mission of the institution they exist for the same reason the institution exists. Which not surprisingly- for the, Not for the sake of the institution. Institutions are not always able to identify what correctly helps the mission of the institution. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so uh, Captain John Smith shows up uh, 
thematically, for those of you who care about this kind of thing, uh, he shows up and it turns out he got in trouble. We we now know that he in fact did what a lot of um, a lot of the mythology says he did, which is he married a a native princess, basically. Mm-hmm. And so there was a line. His his line uh, was in the order of Brendan. He was in the order of Brendan even at the time, and that was a problem that caused problems. And then now here we are with Cyrus and Antigone Smith, whose father did the exact same thing. Gotcha. And they are the the children of a recurring theme in the Smith line, which is a refusal to marry within the purity of the institution, like a refusal to live entirely inside these walls and color inside these lines. So they they live for this mission. Uh, they live to defeat evil, uh, to spread light. And, the, and Captain John Smith was willing to self-destruct himself to do that. So he, is, he has done the worst thing he could think of to himself, which was become transmortal and bury himself permanently, uh, waiting for the last days. So he can't die. Uh, so what, what can he do? He has to put himself down, basically. So right. he has to put himself into a position where he can't die in order to defeat the Dracula family uh, for the sake of the world and, and the mission. And then he uh, sinks himself off of Nova Scotia. <laughs> <laughs> so he's deep underwater. Um, and as a side note, anybody who's seen the cover of the book knows this, so I'm not giving anything away. Because there's a, a figure of a bearded man. Uh, he's chained down on his four limbs asleep deep underwater where he cannot die. So he's, he's put himself down there uh, to remove himself now that he's a threat. So the original cover image, by the way, uh, I did all the math on how long his fingernails would be by that, you know, like how, what fingernails. Oh, okay, because they don't stop growing. Yeah, especially when you're alive. <laughs> when, you're, when you're alive, yeah. So, um, so yeah, he's underwater. And so the description, one of my favorite things I've ever written is the scene of them trying to get into his tomb and to his burial and the amount of hair they have to swim through. <laughs> and so when somebody's been just growing hair and fingernails for, you know, five centuries, oh, there's a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all floating like seaweed because you're underwater. So it's just like beard hair and head hair just everywhere. And you get through and the description of having to gather up his hair and cut it off is like the first step, like getting rid of the hair so that you can even address the guy, like figure out where the guy is because there's so much hair. But uh, the original cover image had these uh, twisty, you know, as fingernails do spiral, these corkscrewing fingernails and toenails that were spreading out and, and going up the walls from him. And uh, I think it was both Borders and Barnes and & Noble that were just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, no this, is, this is too frightening. Please remove the fingernails. And so Random House reached out to me and they were like, this is just, it is deemed too creepy by the retailers. So, for the cover. Yeah. So can we please remove them? And I said, go for it. Do your thing. I still have the original image somewhere. Uh, which oh man, I, you got to find that. Needs to be on my wall, but I, I like that one. So Captain John Smith, they discover, Cyrus and Antigone Smith discover that they are, for having had a very common name, Smith. For having no established house that's still in the um, still in the order of Brendan, their own father was expelled. 
it turns out that the Smiths have been looked down upon instead of being respected. They've been looked down upon forever. And I wanted to kind of imitate the treatment of the prophets in the Old Testament. You know, it's like people who are the true believers, the people who are really all about the mission and not about the institution, uh, very, very quickly administrators of an institution start to prioritize the continued existence of that institution. And even the the easy and smooth administration of that institution is prioritized above the mission of that institution. Right. We've we've talked about this a lot working for publishers and yeah. you know, why do all publishers tend to drift leftward? Yeah, and I would just say they tend to drift soft. Yeah. So because they don't want the trouble. Yeah. And if someone complains, it's much easier to address yeah, it's like the complaint. You, why deal with retailers dropping your, you know, dropping your books, that kind of thing. After yeah. Death by Living one uh Christianity Today's Book of the Year, uh, which was, yay, fun. I was, I was grateful. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, that's awesome. Thomas Nelson let me know that they would not be publishing any more of my books. Hmm. I was like, okay. I mean, but Lifeway had dropped Tilt the World and refused to carry it. And there was conflict. There was. Is it because of much, trouble over you? Yeah, it's just, well, just much easier. Written. It's like, A, oh, yeah. what, I, what I write is not pop enough. So I think if I if I'd sold millions of copies, I think they would have still uh, been happy to publish me. But in order to do that in that space, it has to be super pop. It has to be lowest common denominator flavor. You know, just okay. You know, something that everybody can just consume and be, you know, have kind of a warm blanket feeling, but not be challenged or not be disrupted or not be made uncomfortable or anything yeah. like that. So. But that's, I think that's just the way it is. Institutions are incentivized to not have, not create trouble for themselves. Right. And the tenders of that institution, whom you need, are incentivized that way. Yeah, that's great. I, I also, what's your rule for committees? It's one of my favorite things. I think, <laughs> I think of it often, but it yes, speaks to this. The Wilson rule. This is, <laughs> this is the Wilson rule is in any meeting which lasts longer than 20 minutes, somebody will suggest something that would ruin everything. <laughs> every and literally every meeting i've ever been in every committee meeting every production meeting any meeting that goes more than 20 minutes somebody steps into the void and says hey i have an idea and if everybody there said okay it would ruin everything somebody's going to suggest and something it's well-meaning people yeah i've done it myself i've been that person <laughs> yeah no all of somebody a sudden... somebody has to right because you're throwing ideas out there and you actually a lot of these times you know, in these different meetings, people have to, you're thinking through like, what are all the options? Let's put all the options on the table. Right. You and know, some of those options, some of those options will mean total destruction are really bad. <laughs> some of them are termites in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exa exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, I found this Dutch elm disease. <laughs> Should we implement it Should in our elm grove? <laughs> sprinkle it around. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of a thing. And there's, it's well-intentioned, it's well-meaning, but somebody will suggest something which if implemented, would ruin the entire thing, the entire institution, the whole mission. And yeah. so I think the, one of the ways to make institutions last is to make them not personality-centric, uh, but also to make them mission-centric such that you're willing to sacrifice the whole institution at any time for the sake of the mission, just like you would lay down your own life. Like You have to be willing as a human being to go die uh, you know, on a random Tuesday you could see a stroller roll into the street in front of a semi and know like, well, this is my time. This is it. 
I think that's the kind and of an thing. institution has to has to be yeah. in the same boat. Like you have to be willing to stand up and say, "Well, this is it, right?" And we're going to go down in a blaze of glory right here, right now. Yeah, it, this is funny, but when you read the Hall of Fame in Hebrews eleven, and you read yeah. about guys sawn in two, that's the kind of thing you can pray for. <laughs> look forward, like, hey, when my when I don't know what the sawing is going to look like, but when it shows can up, can it please be metaphorical? <laughs> <laughs> when the buzz saw shows up, may yeah. I be ready? Maybe ready to face uh, the saw without, without compromising on everything that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've been. And remember this: this is one of the most unnerving things. Uh, is as a parent, you're supposed to be like God as much as possible. You know, you want to imitate the Father, and He sent His Son to go die young. Right. Like, okay. Oof. You know, it's like that's ah. Like that's, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's rough. And so it's like, okay, so why? So when your kid is dealing with something hard, what are you telling yourself as a parent? Uh, well, you're trying to help them be faithful through it. That's the ultimate thing. But you know that if you're helping them be faithful through something hard, uh, they're qualifying themselves. They're receiving their qualifications for something harder. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it goes. And if you don't help them and they fail, you know that God is a good God and is going to send it around again. And yep. you get to jump it the second time around. Yeah, you're going to do the fifth grade again and again right? and again and again and again. And you're going to get this. Like, yeah. And you're going to get this. But all of us live life on a rising scale of difficulty. And if you doubt me, look at an old man. You know, just your hips are giving out, your knees are giving out, your back is giving out, all your friends are dead, your wife is gone. You know, what, what do you have left? Your strength is gone. Your memory is gone. <laughs> you know, and what's next? The grave. What's next is you have a death scene and you can live faithfully as, in that situation with bad hips and bad knees and no friends and a, a fading memory. You know, it's like you can honor God and be a faithful character under those hardships as you, you know, swim the Jordan uh, or not. And I've seen people do it faithfully and beautifully, and I've seen people not. So all of us get a death scene and all of us are living toward it. Right. And I was talking with a friend recently about that aging process. It's not just an assumption that you grow more and more fruitful, or it's, it's not just something that happens. You don't grow more no. and more fruitful nope. without trying to. You can right. also get weaker. More and more sour. Yeah. So you can be wine that is just getting ruined. Yep. You can turn and get you know, be a skunked bottle, unfortunately. <laughs> like yeah. it's, and we've, and I think a lot of people have been around that too. A lot of, a lot of us have seen old folks who are bitter and resentful and frightened and, and we've seen uh joyful, peaceful, content, beautiful uh, seniors as well. And it's, it can be done well and it can be done badly. And it's harder than what we're doing now. Like just, we're all moving towards that and it's harder. You know, <laughs> that's this last year. My, oh, my grandfather's been fading on the Wilson side for a while. My mom's dad died a few years ago. Uh, and he's been circling the airport for a long time. Yeah, my, my dad's dad is one of those old folks who graduated from hospice in the atypical direction. <laughs> like, mm. He got put in hospice, then he got better. And he's like, okay, he's out of hospice. And he needs constant care, can't do anything. His hands don't work. You know, he can't stand, can't, it's, he has to be physically carried or placed in a, placed in a wheelchair. 
it's it's rough. And then this past year, his daughter died. You know, like, and this is my aunt, who is super sweet, you know, big personality, lots of joy. Right. You know, she passed away suddenly. And you think, okay, well, that's incredibly hard. That's incredibly hard for her kids and for the whole family. And it's all just, it's hard. But it's really, it's also very hard for my grandfather. Right. Like that's a, to, yeah. lose, to lose a kid. And to lose a child is hard at any, at any phase. And it's like, okay, so there's, now that you've lived that long, you've lived long enough for an, another degree of hardship, for an even harder level. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's really quite faithful and, and shining, you know, in these, in these last days. But all, all of us have that coming. Uh, and we all have striking early loss coming or we have long prolonged loss coming. Um, God has his stories for us. And in telling stories like Ashdown, the goal is for kids to actually kind of figure that out. Their own survival is not the ultimate good. Right. And this is one of the reasons why, side note, I hate the Hunger Games, is because survival is not winning. Mm, like, that's so, good. Like, we, uh, we affi- just associate surviving with winning, and it's not. Right. Uh, and Christ Doesn't, won, yeah, not he, by surviving. Yeah, he, he says, for the joy set before him, yeah. he endured the cross. And so you look at Samson, won, not by surviving. Oh, uh, yeah. And so on. And you look on and on and on and on. Um, the goal is not personal survival. Yeah. And the I goal ask- cannot be personal survival. You have to, the goal is faithful impact. The goal is to be as bright and to burn as brightly as you can. Yeah. Oh, uh, and if that means you're going to live to be 95, that's wonderful. A long life is a blessing. We're, we're told to pursue that. But if it means being 33 and conquering the world like Christ, you know, it's like overcoming death. <laughs> like like all right good the the tree is not the goal yeah your, your own the individual tree is never the goal whether right. it's the institution or yourself the goal right. is the kingdom of god and what's that thing well maybe this is from your grandpa but the god takes you where you are not where you're supposed to be right um just yeah. one of the most encouraging things that can be said to people in these situations as bad as it is you can have made a ton of mistakes you can be a hot mess of disasters and horrible personal decisions and faithfulness starts today and it starts tomorrow. And, and there's going to be a job for you to do. Yep. yep. And there is, there is fruitfulness. Right. That's and one of the things I really love about um If you're Calvin, dry bones in yeah. the valley, you're dry, which we all are, right. if you're just another rib cage that's all dried out in the valley, yeah. like, well, you're, you're still going to glorify God by rising up. Right. I love, I love that aspect of... Luther and Calvin, the priesthood of all believers to get kind of nerdy on it, but <laughs> yes. but just the idea of you can glorify God in, yep. in your spot. And what you do today. Today, right. Like what you do today yeah. can glorify God regardless of how much disaster is behind you. Right. Uh, and we've all seen that in kids' stories. It's one of those great themes where you see the character who turns, you know, yeah. the, the character who's been going the wrong direction and there is a true repentance. And there is not what we see constantly, we've talked about before in kids' fiction and kids' movies now, which is a giant misunderstanding. Right. Like, no, you were actually pursuing darkness and you were on the wrong team and you turned. You repented and you turned and faithfulness begins here. Right. Uh, whether it's like this in the Black Cauldron. You yeah. Know? It's like, this kid's a super fusser, but... Yeah. Um, this, Taren, uh, Taren Wanderer, Wanderer? Yeah. That's the guy, right? Uh, yeah. Well, he's actually not the one. There's a... He's the main character. So the series, Pride and Chronicles, Lloyd Alexander, I really enjoyed him. 
Um, there's a yeah, super too. fusser kid who's just a whiner and just self-absorbed. And he ends up, you know, being willing to sacrifice himself. He turns. Mm, good stuff. Uh, it is. It is a really great. Gurji is a character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, those are that's a great series. It should be on your shelf for your children. There's your recommendation for this week. Uh, but I've had a lot of conversations with kids around Ashtown and kids from horrible families and bad situations and, you know, just really, really rough, big mistakes. Like no matter how big the mistake is, your job is to uh, repent. Your job is to be faithful today. And that means being dry bones that come to life. That means resurrection. And you cannot do that. Like that's not something you can do for yourself. That's something yeah. that's going to be done to you by the spirit. Yep. So yeah, I, to bring it back to drowned vault, I enjoy when you have, uh, Cyrus and Antigone bumping into some normal person as they're on this huge mission who just does not understand the stakes. And right. I, I like that. I like that moment. It's a fun view of, Hey, do you get how eternity is happening right now? Or are you kind of <laughs> on your way to the grocery store trying to get Cyrus to be normal and right. <laughs> yes. as he's trying to defeat yep. this army of bad guys? You're trying to be normal or are you really, really abnormal? Uh, <laughs> and willing to be. So I, I enjoy Drowned Vault a lot and I enjoy the themes explored in the Drowned Vault. I like the characters. You know, it's one of those things that I've got a whole army of imaginary friends, yeah. you know, from Outlaws of Time and Cupboards and so on. And they're, they all exist in, in the same little room for me where it's like, oh, there's Uncle Frank and there's Fat Frank from the Cupboard series. And here we are with, uh, you know, it's like Nolan and, Rupert Greaves and uh, brother, Hor brother Horace Greeley. <laughs> yeah, Horace. Uh, Horace shows up and uh, I love Dennis. Dennis Gilly is, oh, is yeah. you know, he's um, one of those foils that represents the other way of thinking. <laughs> yeah, the rule, um, the rule, do it right approach. Yeah, and I really like Hillary Drake, who's descended from Sir Francis Drake, who's just a total space cadet. And of course, Diane, yeah, <laughs> yep. And, and Diana, Diana Boone, yeah. She Diana. grows over the course of the series. Yep. Yeah. Big Ben Sterling, Diana Boone. Like there's this whole cast of characters. They all live in my living room um, from all the different books. But the characters who show up in each of the Ashtowns, you know, each of the Ashtown books uh, please me deeply. They have a special section of my imagination. There you go. Well, I have I have two directions we need to talk about. First, I think it's time to talk about Latin, right? Because it's the crest of the Is Smiths. It it's time. And then the second yeah. one, I do want to talk about, you know, you got a different villain in this one. We kind of, we... Yeah. And uh, I think both of those are important to talk about. And then next week, well, I got more for next week, but those are so, two for this week. I uh, think Russian dolls of villains. You know, like this is, when you're fighting darkness, and a particular kind of power there's that there's that person who's trying to gain an old power or awake an old power to control it and then there's that power itself that's back there oh gotcha and so you have in the first book the emphasis is dr phoenix oh and he's of course a through villain for the entire series but you also you start to encounter the draculas uh, you know the dracula family and transmortals as a group you know, as uh, their own. Wait, and sidebar, I just found out, I'm sure you know this, but uh, John Smith got knighted for yep. services in Transylvania. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so there's some connections back there. I, yeah. thought, I thought you'd just thrown them together, but no. No, no. <laughs> yeah. He did something. So John Smith, uh, Captain John Smith was him, was 
he was a character. Yeah, <laughs> so, didn't he kill a guy with a flail to escape from slavery? Uh, just prob- like- <laughs> probably, but he's, uh, I don't remember that story, but yes, most likely. I'll just sign off on anything that people say John Smith did. He did. I asked uh, it as a question, but I remember <laughs> it vividly. <laughs> so John, John Smith uh, was a mercenary and he fought the Turks in Europe, uh, Transylvania and other places before, like he, and he didn't live a long time except for in my series. Uh, <laughs> but he, so you have this guy who is the kind of dude who on three separate occasions two armies were facing off against each other and they decided to send out champions to not fight and to send out champions. And he got sent out three times. And they were like, yeah, send out John. And three times he decapitated his opponent. Uh, And so three severed heads actually is key to the Smith knighthood. Crest. Yeah. Yeah. And the Smith crest, which I just kind of uh, adapt. So I take that historical nugget and then I, you know, fantasize it i kind of i play with it bring it into my world but he did that and that's all pre his whole virginia thing right with po- <laughs> the pocahontas saving whether yeah. or not that's true <laughs> no it was it I, I, so I, I love it and then uh he shows up in you know on this this quest to virginia after having done that uh in europe against the against the turk turkish turkish expansion um and so that's one of the reasons why the Smiths are pulled in and why they have ancient enemies from that part of Europe. <laughs> there you go. Is because of what John Smith did way back in the day. But I have him uh, doing that more in his role for the Order of Brendan as opposed to as a mercenary uh, in the armies of Europe. So he then gets put on a ship. He's going to Virginia. And by the time he gets to Virginia, he's in chains down below decks and he the captain is going to hang him when they get there uh for which sort of for being too big a personality basically (laughs) it's like he he was he was categorizing it uh uh, as mutiny um and so institutionally not friendly yeah so they get there and they open the the little charter that they were supposed to open upon arrival in virginia and instead of hanging john smith he's supposed to make him the governor like here it is. It's one of those classic movie moments where you open the envelope and it's like, the dude I was going to hang is now in charge of, of Virginia by Oof. order of the queen. <laughs> so John Smith's now in charge. And then you have an actual situation where the native princess falls for him. So this is the kind of personality this guy has. He's probably the closest to Moses of any modern person. So there's stories about Moses that run the same way where just his presence and his personality was enormous along with his abilities. So then you have all the Pocahontas mythology that, you know, that Americana stuff that she fell for him, that she prevented his execution. She saved him because she was in love with him. Uh, And then of course the historical version is sad and he marries the wrong girl and everything goes badly. Um, And she died. What? A few years later. Broken hearted. <laughs> right. She no doubt died of a broken heart because of this dude. Um, there's a story about Moses when he was a prince of Egypt. I think it's in Josephus uh, where he is um, laying siege to an Ethiopian city for Egypt. And his persona was such that the queen of said city fell in love with him from the walls and agreed to surrender the city if he would marry her. 
And that was the deal. So he did. <laughs> and a guy, Moses. Yeah. So Moses conquered the city by means of having this, this woman fall in love with him. From the Dynamism, walls. charisma, and good and, looks. And she was with him. That queen was with him through the exodus and, and everything else. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I think John Smith was cut from that cloth. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I grab the three head thing and I, I grab his actual historical bona fides. And then uh, I make him the patriarch of the Smith line in the order of Renan, yeah. where Cyrus and Antigone are stepping into that renegade line, like super powerful on mission, but impossible to control and institution unfriendly Smith. And that is what they are. That is what Cyrus is, especially. That's what his dad was. And that's all the way back yeah. to John Smith. That's what their role in the order has been. And it's not that they never make mistakes. <laughs> no, no, they do because everybody does. Right. But soft men make the mistakes of soft men and really right. strong men make the mistakes of strong men, which means when they make mistakes, it's a little more noticeable. And then they get buried in the Atlantic. <laughs> they, yeah, they get buried off of Nova Scotia. Uh, so then the Latin shows up and John Smith. Being who he was and his personality, he adopted for himself the crest of three severed heads and then the uh, motto, Six Semper Draconis, uh, which is off of Six Semper Tyrannis, thus always to tyrants. Um, and so he has the three heads and it's dragons because the three severed heads are from the Dracul uh, family, the family that gave us Dracula, the actual historical Vlads. That brought us the the Dracula mythology. The Impalers, affectionately known as. Yep. And so they're the Dracules and that, and their symbol was the dragon and Dracula was itself meant dragon. Um, so they were the dragons. And so he has thus always to dragons. But however, the Latin is technically incorrect. Uh, and this is for two reasons. On an authorial level, there is the fact that I wanted it to, even for kids, for younger people, I wanted it to clearly echo the original. Right. Uh, thus always to tyrants. But I also wanted it to represent the fact that the Smiths are the kind of people who don't care. Right. And they don't that color the date of the dative plural would be. Yeah. It'd be what it would be draconibus. Yes. So it'd be sick to do it. If you were a good little student, it would be six emperor draconibus. Uh, Third John, declension rather than second declension yeah. tyrannies. <laughs> yes. And so uh, John Smith doesn't care. And Slash it. doesn't know. Let's just say John Smith is the kind of guy who's not great at Latin. You know, mm, it's like this is, right. and he doesn't care to be great at Latin. Um, this is this is his motto. He's adopted his family motto, and so I thought it was the perfect motto for the Smiths that uh, it was thus always to dragons, slightly incorrectly <laughs> phrased. Um, <laughs> that there's a typo in the crest. <laughs> yeah, it's like the crest for the Smiths is like because they're the they are the outlaws. They are the ones who just don't behave the way they're supposed to behave. The crest itself has been banned uh, in Ashtown, and it's kind of this it's this uh, tough one to get. It's this bootleg one, the bootleg crest because the Smith crest was forbidden because it was too gory with its three severed heads. But if we peel back, peel it back a little bit, and we get into the uh, the appendices, uh, and I'll just throw this spoiler in there. One of the arguments against it that helped it get banned was the fact that the Latin was it was not correct, <laughs> and that the Smith family was refusing. Have you created a Smith crest? Have you? Do you have I'm one for, for sale? There will be. There will be one. Okay. There will be one for sale. It's gonna be the last one that comes online. Because uh, there are, kinda, are several that are yeah. great. I mean, I I liked 
on my read through re-examining all the crests and the descriptions and yeah wanted so we have a couple that are we have a couple that are available the boxing monkey patch i love obviously the polygon polygon patch. patch uh which is available and then also rupert greaves patch the flying chest knight which i also really like uh, and there's a couple other that are in design phase that are going to be going into production and the last one will be the smith patch and you better believe that the latin will be the way john smith wanted it not the way that not various way elementary that school teachers who have written me letters from around the country wanted it <laughs> yeah no editorial fingers yeah so on the, the one hand, so here. I wanted it to, I did not like six Emperor Draconibus. I didn't like the way that, just the rhythm of it. I didn't like it. I didn't like it in terms of an illusion. I didn't like it as an echo of the original. And I liked the idea of John Smith um, being the kind of guy who didn't notice and just went for it. Yeah. And then once people pointed it out, didn't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just, right. just kept rolling. And uh, neither does Cyrus care. So, right. Yeah. There we go. That's fun. There we go. The Drowned Vault. And uh, next up, we get to meet Brother Niffy and, and people like that. Yes. Also, Radu. <laughs> yes. Radu Bay. Uh, and I'll tease Radu Bay too. People think I make up characters, and sometimes I do. That's true. But Radu Bay is not one of the ones I made up. Okay. Uh, any, yeah. more th any more than I made up John Smith. I also want to talk a lot about dragons. Yeah. And dragon mythology, yes. good and bad. Yeah, we'll get into the we'll get into the dragons of it all mm -hmm. next time. Yep. Next week yeah. on Stories of Soul Food. Episode 35, Dragons. <laughs> Love it. That's good stuff. Peace out. If you enjoyed this week's episode, get your signed copy of the Drowned Vault today at canonpress.com.